0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music
1: Well, Mr. Crash. Is that your real name? I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I should I get, refer to you. I,
2: no, no, I get that a lot. It's not the name on my birth certificate, but it is pretty much what everyone calls me. So. Right on. Well, Crash Thompson, welcome to the X-Man podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. That's, that's super cool of you. I went, was going through some of your backlog here. You've been doing a lot of YouTubers here lately, haven't you? I have, and
1: I guess some of it is... Um,
2: coincidental
1: and some of it is, is, is on purpose. I just feel like there's so much more of the conversation starters and people, you know, listen, talking to musicians is great, but um, it gets a bit repetitive. And I, I don't know. I feel like I have my the way, my brain works. I probably feel like I have a lot more in common with kind of the vloggers and the media people and kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 the punditry class <laughs> I guess, uh, oh. I feel like I identify with a lot.
2: Well, that's, that's cool, man. That's cool. I, I say that I can appreciate that. I, like I say, I bet it does get repetitive talking to musicians all the time. I, I bet, you know, a lot of the same stuff kind of gets tossed around here and there. So.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, you have similar arcs and I have yeah. a, my yeah. traditional X-Men shows, which, you know, ultimately are the, the most popular, uh, stuff mm. I do. If I get, you know, like I had, uh, uh, the drummer from Corn, David Silvera, on here, oh, yeah. and people I hadn't heard right. from him, and stuff like that tends <laughs> to really get people excited because that was really the concept of the show, um, you know. But it's it's tough to find people that people haven't really spoken to or you haven't heard their story, so it's a little bit like you know, I'm a oh, yeah. Indiana
2: Jones over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's to say, yeah, a lot of those let's say you're digging around for the people who Yeah, you yeah, know, I mean, by this point, especially, like guys like David Silvera and stuff, they've gotten the chance to sort of talk and spread their stories around. But he hasn't. So I get
1: that. But yeah. but that's what I'm saying. Like some people you would think they it's out there, but it's but it's really not. So it's you oh. know, it's and it's a lot of that's coming from my own tastes and also my my background, the the bands I'm friends with, the bands I got into. So, you know. But with with, with that said, it's uh stuff like this i I want to kind of periodically do uh Mm. topical stuff just because it's like oh you know there's a new tool record and people (laughs) want to hear about tool
2: (laughs) oh yeah i know believe me that's been paying off big that's been paying off big time for me here lately say all, all the tool videos i've done here recently have probably bought brought in the biggest boom the channel's ever seen i've gotten something like 3,000, 4,000, somewhere in that range, subscribers just within the past month. So how many many tool tool videos? videos did you do? I did uh, in a lead up like about two weeks before the album, the new album dropped. I did a video called How to Get Into Tool, which basically went over their whole discography and kind of just, you know, just kind of talked a little bit about each album, which ones might be, you know, the best places to start and which ones might be a little more kind of out there, maybe a little esoteric, whatever. Uh, that gained me a lot of traffic. And then when I finally did drop my Fear Inoculum review, that sort of doubled the traffic I was already getting from the first tool video so
1: right on yeah um I, well, oh, now, yeah. I wish i would have caught up on that now i feel behind the ball
2: but um <laughs> oh, dude it's it's okay like i say um the tool video uh the how to get into is like a 40 minute video and my tool my fear inoculum review ended up being like 10 minutes long even though i tried to make that one as short as i could but no i, I get it man it's you know say we well
1: anyway um so I just want to talk about your your, your page to, be, to begin with. I mean, I don't even know how I ended up following your your stuff, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of of the style uh, that you that you've put together. Everything seems very well thought out. It, I I don't know if you write it out, but it seems like it is written oh. um, in 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 advance. I love your editing style. Um, it's very entertaining, even if I disagree with uh, your take on a particular album. Um
2: the way you present it is always really well done. Oh, thank you very much. I, I sincerely appreciate that. Um, yeah, believe me, I write all of this stuff out. I am a slave to the script. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know the way I try to make it seem as, you know, off the cuff and is, you know, sort of not so strictly adhered to you know a, a die cut scripting sort of process as possible i make it feel as relaxed and casual as i can yeah. but I, in my experience i'm just not very good at improv so how many how, how
1: many words is a, is a normal review
2: a normal review is probably oh Usually it's about a one pager okay. on Google Docs, so I would say that's probably between 500 to 700 okay, words. I would say, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm verbose, so. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I oh, believe me, I, I I know I believe me. I have to limit myself to one page usually on most of the scripts I write. So.
1: So how did you but, get started uh, doing reviews? Was it on
2: YouTube, or were you doing written reviews and stuff like that beforehand? I actually did get uh, started on YouTube. I was It's weird, I was uh, actually following the style of a lot of people who didn't talk about music, mostly. Uh, there are a lot of other people in the sort of YouTube critical sphere. A lot of early influences to me, guys like uh, uh, the Nostalgia Critic, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, or, I know uh, he did music. Uh, No, no. Well, that's no, that's the thing. He doesn't. Uh, There were a lot of other guys like um, Spoonie and Brutal Moose. And I don't know there's a whole scene of reviewers out there. Although the thing is, back when I started doing it about seven or eight years ago, there were a lot of people talking about stuff like video games and movies and TV and other stuff. No one was talking about music. Like, uh, like, there were a few guys, uh, Fantano was just getting started, and there were a few people who were really, really small at the time, but that general reviewer-type scene was all like, you know, uh, was other mediums. It was games and movies and stuff. I just saw that there was no one talking about music, so I figured, uh, you know, no, nobody else is doing this, right? Can I do this? <laughs> Can I get away with doing this? I'm going to do this nobody else well, is going to do this, so. It's funny. So I just...
1: No, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, no, I was saying it's, it's funny because uh, I feel like the critics' role, especially in... Actually, I, I would actually even broaden it beyond just rock music, has mm-hmm. really evolved over the years. Absolutely. And you go back to... Like, I read Quest Love's book, for example, mm-hmm. and he became obsessed with Rolling Stone's review section and really looked at it as a benchmark, you know, mm-hmm. for... You know, pop music in general, whether it's a Prince record or the police yeah. or what you know, what whatever was was going on that was his his kind of uh, you know, North Star in in, in a lot of ways. And going back to when I came up uh with my, my old band, God forbid, you know, it was all about oh, yeah. can you get five K's in Kerrang? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know, and even certain websites, you know, some of which uh, are no longer with us. Those were called Metal Judgment back in the day. That you know, I mm. always liked stuff that seemed to have that was rigorous and there yeah. was standards, and obviously wasn't just handing out good reviews for for no reason. Oh, yeah. And I and I oh, felt yeah. like it, it had an impact. You know, that if you were well reviewed in a certain publication or website, that it lent a certain amount of credibility. With, you know, be, well, at least with the, the, the metal scene, it's very nerdy, you know? So Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so there is that kind of gatekeeper intelligentsia mentality to, oh, absolutely. to a lot of stuff. I mean, what would you say the the role is now? Because I feel like, because you, you did a, a piece on Pitchfork, you know, but yeah. I feel like that's one of the only places I hear about, oh, Pitchfork said this about this record. And it's usually,
2: it's not about our scene. It's usually, it's like some hip hop record it's- or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't well the the whole pitchfork thing just came about well well you know being a big music nerd of course I, I I always read a lot of those sites you know coming up and just I don't know that's the thing pitchfork was always pitchfork was always just like an easy target you know just some of the reviews that they did they've gone down in sort of like you know sort of nerd music nerd legend for how sort of bad or weird some of them can be so it's like i don't know it's one of those things i've never seen anyone do like a full-blown video on which does surprise me because there was that was fertile ground to tap. I could probably make three or four more pitchfork videos. <laughs> I could probably mine that little source alone just for ages if I absolutely wanted to. But but, but do you but think no, people care like about
1: those or just in general? Is it YouTube? I, where, like, where are people paying attention to the,
2: you know, giving I, the thumbs up or thumbs down about this stuff? I think people sort of care. They care. I feel like they care more than they do maybe it's, it's, it's weird. There isn't so much the whole, like it used to be like way, way back in the day, like you were saying uh, with Questlove and his uh, situation, he, you know, sort of obsessed over Rolling Stone and, you know, back, uh, way back in the day, well, not even that far back in the day, but it was more like certain outlets, you know, you kind of had to get their sort of stamp of approval. Well, like again, like you mentioned, like if you were a hip hop artist, getting that the thumbs source. up from Pitchfork meant a lot, or the, or, the, the
1: source that was the, or the backend. source,
2: yeah, yeah, the source, another big one for there. Back in the back before aggregation became a thing, getting certain spots, you know, getting the big, you know, getting your rolling, getting Rolling Stone to give you that thumbs up, or getting Alternative Press to give you that thumbs up. You know, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, now we're legit. Now that's the big one. With the with you know the advent of Metacritic and even other sites like you know Rotten Tomatoes and other. Now that all of the reviews are. Being culled together into that scary numeric average, I feel like the individual review doesn't isn't quite as potent as the collective reviews, yeah. you know, or the, uh, what your average ends up. Like I say, that Metacritic number score in the in the video game industry, like there have actually been reported cases of. You know, companies withholding bonuses from their employ- employees or actually giving out bonuses to their employees uh, if they're, if the game they released met a certain Metacritic score. Like, uh, like oh, if, if, okay, we're releasing the game on Thursday, if it gets an 84 or higher, then you guys get your bonus. If not, well, hmm, better luck next time. You know, it's... That seems a little bit know. unethical because I feel like
1: you could get... Oh, yeah. You know, d- inner dealing and, and weird incentives and this idea oh. that, you know, I don't know the video game industry uh, from mm-hmm. an ins- insider's perspective, but, um, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know what th- what, is there a direct correlation between rating and commercial success?
2: Um, not necessarily. I mean, some games. I, I don't. I feel like the games that do do better on the aggregate scores do tend to sell particularly well. Uh, again, it's a whole. You know, people get more exposure to it, and you know, a higher number, even if it is from a smaller developer or anything like that, a higher number does still get you some recognition and it gets you some clout. But I know what's the thing that really hurts are those, like I say, those lower numbers. Like I, and the thing is too, like it, it's such like i don't think it's a good metric to measure something's quality by but at the same time though there have been a lot of instances again with this is more of a game this is more of a games and especially movies kind of thing where you know people where you know one crit like you know something will get a lot of universal praise but then one notable critic will come out of the blue and say "Eh, i thought it was mediocre you know six out of ten or whatever and then they're less than less than glowing review brings the number down, that can actually bring about a weird sense of audience backlash. This happened to a guy, um, a a video game critic named Jim Sterling. Um, He runs the Jimquisition, it's this big thing. He, uh, well, Breath of the Wild was was one of the last big Zelda games, and that game was getting like tens across the board. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, game of the year. Just every single outlet that could gave that game a perfect score. And then Jim comes along sees some stuff he doesn't like sees has some legitimate gripes about things gives it like an eight out of 10 you know which is still a very good score you know that's still a very very good score but the fact that he gave it an eight instead of the perfect 10 that it was supposed to get <laughs> he ended up he actually ended up getting death threats he got doxxed. he got Jesus. yeah a lot of stuff over eight over an eight not even a negative review but a review that wasn't positive enough so in some extreme cases you certainly can get stuff like that but uh, also again i feel like because of what aggregation has done to the review scene in general it's you know it's made it more so that if you're going to twist the knife if you're going to publish a bad review you better—I mean, you better make sure you you cite your sources and you know where you're coming from with that, because again, that can have such it can have so much more dramatic consequences than it than it did than it did like ten years ago. You know, I mean, Robert Christgau could write a negative review about an album everybody loved, and you know, they would just be like, "Oh, what what is he talking about? What a what a doofus!" You know, that would usually be the worst thing he'd have to worry about.
1: Yeah, it's, these it's, days. It's, it's it's interesting i i have a kind of different take on music reviewing in general cuz i think uh with i'd say my with my direct comparison to say uh film or television where i feel like uh in film and television the actual mechanics of making something work functionally are much more difficult to do so it's easy that it's easier to make a bad film than i think is it is to make bad music like you can Uh-oh. essentially you know record it properly and have it played well and sung well and performed well and so like the benchmark is a little lower so then it yeah. becomes i think it so at that point it does become more subjective with, with oh, yeah with, with with music i noticed with music i might like an album if i just w- listen to it in the different mood or a different time of day or when i'm not tired or oh, you know what i'm absolutely. saying or like oh yeah music that- have
2: headphones on as opposed to living in my car. You know what I'm saying? Like it. it oh, it, absolutely. Oh, well, 100. That's the thing. Music. Thankfully, in the music scene at least, we don't see quite as much of that sort of reactionary stuff. Again, because music is such a subjective experience. You know, it's not something that can be boiled down to like very specific factors. You know, if a if you know if a game doesn't control properly, you can map that out and says, oh, when I push the button, the thing doesn't happen. That's you know, that's a very clear-cut fault if a movie has shitty cinematography and blurry vision oh you can write oh this this part of the film is blurry that's that's a bad i don't like that with music it's hard to even again because tastes are so subjective and so broad too it's like i mean you know you could say something like oh the ramones oh it's too simple it's too simplified they're just playing power chords it's just you know this is baby's first stuff you know but at the same, you could technically say that, but at the same time, like it's more like uh, okay, there's so much more that goes into it, you know. And there's also just the fact that, well, I, I, again, it, music is such a subjective thing. You can hammer down uh, the finer points of other medias a lot more, a lot more finely than you can with music. Music it either kind of connects to you and it speaks to you, or it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's, in, and, it's and, inherently know, I, emotional. Uh, yeah, exactly. It is in, there's an inherent emotional factor to every piece of music that goes out there. And the thing is, too, if you look at like Metacritic, you can actually go on most aggregate sites like Metacritic or AllMusic and whatnot, and look through their uh, reviews for an entire year or for like an entire decade or whatever. Um, you know, you'll look at like the movies. All the movies they've aggregated for the year, you'll see like a decent amount of greens, you know, a decent amount of greens, a decent amount of yellows and a decent amount of reds. Same thing with games, same thing with TV. All across the board, you'll see a pretty even split. But when it comes to music, there's like almost a 90 percent. There's almost it's almost like 90 percent green. Then maybe you'll get like 10% yellow like for some of the worst stuff of the year and the stuff that's just really, really, really bad. The, the rarest cases in in aggregate sites is when you'll ever see any red. I think the last red album I saw was that one Corey Feldman put yeah. out a couple of years back. <laughs> but
1: that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of it is mm-hmm. is uh,
2: preordained
1: in, in some respects. Like for example, I think – there's this distinction between a band that does well critically and a band that, uh, or not even band, just artists, that is kind of well liked by the, you know, by the kind of the populism, the, the populist mm-hmm. version. Of. Oh, yeah. So, give an example, like a band like, or p- someone like Kid Rock, where I imagine uh, yeah. that if that came across the desk of, you know, some, you know, some, some, some Brooklyn. Yeah yeah <laughs> you know well, cool. you put
2: that on pitchfork's desk you can tell what's gonna happen exactly today, and, and
1: but yeah. that's what i'm saying it's kind of this weird thing where we're living in different worlds where as opposed to yeah. you know i imagine radiohead could you know fart on a fucking you know in a in a forest you <laughs> yeah. know and record it and with, the, with an iphone and it would
2: get you know a plus pr- yeah around. i'd probably still have to give it at least an eight out of ten you know yeah, and
1: i think and i think that so it's funny like with um with the metal world i've feel like I've gotten further and further away from like something like decibel or mm-hmm. a lot, because it's the same kind of bands. It'll be a Bearer or, oh, yeah. you know, um, Oh, what's, what's that other band? I'm um, the black metal kind of major key black metal band. Um, um, uh, death heaven,
2: death. He- oh like that, yeah, death heaven, yeah. Listen,
1: I think those are all great bands. I'm not, I'm not trying to undermine what, what, what they do, but it's, there's a predictability of we yeah, like I, I- we like this kind of musical aesthetic. We like yeah. it coming from these kinds of record labels. We kind of like bands that look kind of like this and carry themselves in a certain way. And oh, there's yeah. a anti-commercialist
2: sentiment, you know, kind of baked into yeah. it. Oh, yeah, exactly. I I feel like a lot of the music, uh, well, that's the thing. A lot of the music reviewing circles out there, you know, they tend to review more towards like a film or a game has to reach to the broadest audience possible. You know, you're making a movie in the hopes that everyone from any background will usually enjoy it. I mean, there are niche filmmakers out there, but at the same time, it's, you know, most of the time people who are out there pushing movies out are hoping to get everybody on board, no matter where you come from or what your background is music is a lot more niche you know it's more you know like a lot of like you say kid pitchfork is not going to waste their time on a kid rock album Uh, and at the same coin ccm probably isn't going to spend too much time with like uh with like a metallica record or you know anything like that so you know and you know music tends to sort of sort of stick in certain lanes um more closely than film and other mediums do so uh, again i feel like that's also a contributing factor to why you know it's not quite as harsh in the musical critical critical sphere at least you know in a general sense again you know it's like you know your average ccm reader doesn't want to read about metal your average metal user doesn't want to read about like country and you know other stuff so people tend to kind of stay in their lanes a little bit better when it comes to the music scene i don't know that's just what i've observed at
1: least yeah i i, I agree so we've got about 20 minutes we barely talked about tools so let's uh let's get it oh, yeah. let's let's get in, in, into oh, yeah. this into this record um so not not to speak for you but uh you gave a fairly glowing review so you, just to kind of repeat for our um my audience you want to kind of tell them what you thought about the record
2: I absolutely loved it. I um, I, I actually gave that record a 5 out of 5, which is pretty much the best score I can give on my show. It's honestly going to be an album of the year candidate for me, if not the album of the year candidate. I don't know. That's part of the problem. It's been a really really good year for a lot of rock and metal and heavier sort of genre. The rock genre in general, you know, has been pretty good. We've gotten a lot of decent records out there. Are there um, any others off the top of your head that are you like this year? Oh, um just a few. Uh the new Moron Police was a surprisingly good one. I did not see that one coming out of, out of absolutely nowhere. The new Slipknot yeah, was also great. Yeah, that new Slipknot. I expected the new Slipknot to be pretty good, but not as good as it ended up being. Like, you know what's really now? good,
1: actually? The new Horn. Hmm. Yeah,
2: so I've heard. I've heard like, about. Like, it might of... be their best
1: record in forever. Like, it's really good.
2: Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I'm just. I'm not the biggest corn fan in the world. I, I've just never really gotten into them. I'm, I'll have to give this one a try. At well, least that's the so thing. It's to...
1: like you said, it's niche. I mean, music. Yeah. It's like either you get a band, or, or it either works for you. It does. I've I've always been a corn fan, so I'm I'm really. Yeah. But it feels um, doesn't f- feel like they're just going paving over ground that's already happened. Mm-hmm. It does feel like they're just trying to be a band in, in the now
2: that still sounds like corn. So that's what I like okay. about it. It's very interesting. Yeah, I will definitely have to check that out when I get a chance. Mm. So I'm not promising anything, <laughs> but I will certainly. Like I say, Korn is just one of those bands. Again, music is a thing that's just got to click with you personally. God help me! For some reason, corn has just never clicked with me.
1: <laughs> so, so with Tool, it's interesting tool. because I, you know, I got a Tool in high school. You know, mm. seeing the sober video, but oh, it really clicked. Yeah. But it clicked for you know, and I bought I bought that record, and I, and I pretty much liked the singles. You know, from um, Undertow. Oh and, yeah, and then even though I would listen to the record, but it was really with um, Enema that I really got drawn in, and I think a lot of you know, if I, I was you know, sixteen or something when that record came out. And, and, and you know, I remember back then, like, if you were into that record, you kind of felt like you were really deep and like a philosopher, <laughs> you know, like you were oh, yeah. just like, listen, man, this is this is operating on other levels, bro. Like, you really, <laughs> you know, you got to absorb this, you know, and <laughs> there's um, layers to
0: it, dude. Yeah. It's like an and, onion, man.
1: <laughs> and it's still and it's still my, my, my favorite tool record. Um, yeah. But obviously they mm-hmm. became what they become, which is this iconic uh, band that really lives outside of the normal rules of what other bands can do. And I, and I, and I, and I find a parallel. I mentioned Radiohead earlier, but I do think there is a parallel that without sober, right. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Radiohead without creep, they couldn't have become, and getting that mainstream appeal and having the big single that's on, Mm -hmm. on TV and on, on the radio to to bring in all the, the regular kind of average Joe's, um, then they, they couldn't have gone as deeply down the rabbit holes as they've gone and been so experimental and for some reason they've not only been able to keep the majority of this audience they've it's created this other thing where the fans they do have are like 10 times more
2: loyal than other <laughs> fans it's it's really a, a you know a cult oh yeah I like to call that the rush effect you know it's yeah. basically just once you get into this band once you become a fan of this band you basically become die hard it's almost like NASCAR fandom you know once you get into it you ain't going anywhere you just connect with it on such a huge level and and like you say it is because like most of the most people when they get into Tool they discover so much within their music you know it's stuff that you can enjoy on that raw raw visceral just punchy rock ass rock kind of level but if you want to dig deeper into it there is so much more you can find if you want to and when you do man it most of the time it is quite the wonderful little head trip so yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of I, I'm trying to think how many times
1: I've listened to the new record. It's probably I'm probably on like my fourth or, or fifth time listening like, through ah. it through it completely because it's one of those things. Yeah. It's obviously really long, so it's difficult yeah. to listen to it in one <laughs> in one sitting. Exactly. Uh, but you know, I'm kind of like I would be that like that one review you mentioned. I'd probably be the one to give it an eight or a seven because I feel like it does lack that kind of standout track like a mm. you know like the pot or yeah you know um. What was the uh, vicarious, you know, these vicarious, ones that, yeah, you know, or you know, um, or and, yeah, uh, the what, what was lateral? What was the big, uh, oh, uh, schism,
2: schism, schism. you know, yeah. but just
1: having like that one or two tracks because you know, the, the like I said, these all almost every track with the exception of Tempest is a slow burn and it really lulls you in and it takes a while to get in and it and it, you know, has this kind of sinewy you know burrowing in your brain and you're in a hypnotic feel you know and it's yeah. like uh like for example are you a weed smoker
2: um uh,
1: occasionally. occasionally okay so you're not like one of these dudes that's like hey man fucking too <laughs> man you got you ain't listening to it right
2: man Oh uh, no 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 man! <laughs> maybe uh, maybe in my post college days, but I'm past that now. So, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. See, but I haven't
1: I haven't gotten high and listened to the records. So maybe I'm not getting it on the on the right frequency <laughs> or the, or, the, or this shit. You probably have to like get some acid and you know when the it's like a full moon and then like yeah. you know rub like a plant or something. I don't know. Yeah.
2: You have to you have to put on one of Bill Hicks's albums at 12:53 a.m. on a full moon that's uh, on in the middle of uh, on october 23rd and then it'll click for you after a handful of mushrooms and two dabs of lsd then you get it <laughs> yeah
1: but I, I have noticed it's um because every song is so long and dense mm. it almost I, I feel like i get more out of each song when i hear them individually as opposed to like when you hear like track eight after hearing everything, you, you feel a little, I feel a little beat down by it, and it feels very samey, but if you hear it right yeah. on its own, you're like, fuck, this is really cool. That's just my, yeah. my experience with it. There? Yes, hello everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But The Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen.
0: Bruce and e Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nemo the Brave on your
2: favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so
1: much! We'll be seeing you!
2: Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through
0: Sound Talent Media. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz, and -and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love.
2: Yeah, and to and you know to a degree to a degree I absolutely agree with that. That's the thing with this album. It is it's a challenge. Like like you said, there isn't like there isn't like a full blown single on this record. To be honest, it's no. like it, it, they just it, it's an album that demands a lot out of you. Like I say, all of the songs with their huge crushing length and with the sweeping scopes that it goes to, and the more repetitive, the more hypnotic sort of appeal. All, and also the fact that, you know, this is one of their, oh, I, again, I hesitate so strongly to use this word, but one of their softest records, it's not a soft record by any means, but by tool standards, you know, these are the same guys who gave us like bottom and, um, you know, and Anima and, you know, all of these other huge and maddeningly just thick pounding songs. And there isn't really that. Um, there isn't really a lot of that on this record at all. And the moments where it does show up, it's usually like the, the sort of midway point of, or the closing point of like um, Invincible or like or like you say, Tempest at the very tail yeah. end of the record when it finally does start to pick up a little bit. But you've had to have settled in for a good, you know, 10 minutes. The build that they tried to establish on this is so dense and just huge and like i say it can be a lot to take in in one setting but i don't know my the thing with me was i was digging one i was digging that 150 percent because again i just loved the ride of this album this album just it, 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 about to say, it doesn't like pee, uh, a lot of normal albums will sort of peak and valley. You know, it'll have its, it'll have its, you know, sort of higher moments, but then it'll like maybe lull. You know, maybe some slower tracks or maybe some filler here or there. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it'll It's more of a sort of up and down kind of experience with Tool or with Fear Inoculum. It's such a, I don't, it's such a concentrated sort of complete. Ah, so it, 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 you are literally just locked into. It, it's not so much a roller coaster as it is. Ugh, what would I compare it to? Like being strapped in, in, being strapped into like a roller coaster car, but being led down a hallway full of psychedelic imagery and just crazy, mind trippy, head fucky, hypnotizing stuff, as opposed to just leaps and swoops and whoops and whatnot. So you know what it kind of reminds
1: me of? Hmm uh 2001 a space odyssey yeah like
0: that yeah, that, that that's,
1: film that's com- is kind <laughs> of you know i think imagine yeah. when it when it came out it was <laughs> a, just an experience it was pushing things the boundaries of what we could do with film but <laughs> it is kind of a slog it's a little yeah. over long It has shots that go on maybe about five to ten seconds longer than you would think um oh, it yeah. does things that really are all about feel and mood and you know just taking its time with things and you're and you're kind of left with it like is this what they're trying to do is it what am i supposed to be getting out of this so it's it reminds me that maybe someone should like uh cut that together make maybe make a condensed version of that film set to this uh, album
2: yeah, exactly. I'll bet I'll bet it's like the Pink Floyd and Wizard of Oz thing. I bet if you play this with uh 2001 at the right moment, I bet the whole film syncs up with the album perfectly. What all do right. you want to bet? All right, well <laughs> somebody needs to dig that up. All right, well
1: I'm, I'm sure someone'll figure it out too, considering how um you know uh <laughs> invested oh, yeah. and and uh <laughs> you know invented uh, uh, yeah tool oh, I'm fans sure are.
2: somebody's already thrown that up on YouTube somewhere or something but
1: <laughs> but, um, what do you think so the thing that's interesting to me about this band is mm. there's so much commercial when I say commercial success, I just mean the the album sales yeah. and the ticket sales and the merchandise and the uh, you know we, we see the streaming numbers that they're finally showing up that oh yeah you know everyone else is conditioned to like all right here's the album cycle we have to have a new album every you know uh you know uh, yeah. 18 to 24 months we yeah. can't stop we have to just constantly be doing this uh so much of the music industry is obviously a, a visual medium it's it's surrounded by star power and personality and this band essentially breaks every rule of what you know a manager would tell a band to do to succeed. And oh, yet, yeah. it's working more. I mean, they sold more records than Slipknot. They are playing the same venues as Slipknot, but selling them out quicker, uh, doing multiple nights. I mean, I heard oh, yeah. the entire tour sold out. People are reselling tickets for, you know, a lot of money. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so, what? I mean, what do you think is special about them? And why are is the rest of the industry not really... Taking any notes from this, or or uh, should we even? I don't know.
2: I it's hard to tell with Tool again because I don't know their success. <clears throat> It's such, like you say, it is such a hard thing to track or put a number. You know, it's a hard thing to really guess or gauge because Tool, like you say, they broke almost all of the rules when it comes to you know video making and album making. Everything that you know, everything that a band is supposed to do to be successful in this industry, they didn't, and they still draw in all of those figures and whatnot. Um, I have theories, but let's I hear, let's hear, let's give me at least one theory. I have. I think again. I hate to. I hate to point back to it again. But one of my theories again has to has a lot to do with um, the appeal of a band like Rush, for example. Rush also did a lot of those same sort of things. They were doing a lot of stuff. You know, they were doing long songs. They were doing these huge experimental mind fucks that were you know nothing at all what you know the scenes of their time demanded whatsoever. But again they were still able to to make that money and to get their songs on the radio and to get people to demand to see them and hear them all over the place i think a lot of uh, with uh, in parallel to rush and tool i would say they're um there are two. Fa- there are a few factors here that sort of play. Um, in one case, it's a sense of fearlessness. Like, you know, when you listen to a Tool record, it just is the fact that, you know, they will do whatever the bloody hell they like on a record. And, you know, that's the thing. That's become the thing that people come to Tool for, the unexpected experience. They've been able to turn that into their... I, I mean, you know, like a band like... Uh, like a band like Green Day, you know, no matter, even if they want to expand, even if they want to experiment, a lot of people are going to walk into a, a Green Day album with certain expectations, you know, oh, it should be pop punky. It should be, you know, it should have, you know, this kind of guitar style. It should have this kind of ba- this kind of drumming and this kind of melody. There's certain expectations, you know, and if and, you know, a lot of times if, you know, a band deviates from those expectations, it can be kind of crushing. A lot of the worst, uh, you know, a lot of the worst reviewed albums and a lot of the worst review i've had to give personally are the bands that you know when they try to step outside of that formula but they either don't commit enough or it's just not a very good idea and it just ends up just just kind of tanking that and new green day song is weird yeah yeah no I, I was kind of feeling the same way about it, it grows on me the more i listen to it, it i gotta sound admit, like green day i
1: don't know who to, like it, they should yeah, sell that no. to uh, <laughs> uh, Black Keys or something.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, we'll see exactly. That's that whole mentality at work, you know. Green Day trying to step outside of those boundaries of what you know people expect them to do, and you know people are. And again, it's already generating some backlash because it's not what we're familiar with. With Tool, they were just completely breaking boundaries pretty much from day one. But they've always that, sounded like Tool. That's the thing is, I almost yes. was actually distinct about this
1: record is that. It's in many ways, from a sonics standpoint, just the actual sounds you're hearing. There's mm. really nothing new on this. Mm. There's for me. There's not like oh, oh no. yeah. the only thing I, I've noticed is different is there seems to be a little bit more lead guitar work. I yeah. noticed like there's like these extended sections where Adam Jones really kind of lets loose a little bit in his way, not like a you know oh, yeah. maybe Van Halen solo, it, um, exactly. But other than that, it. it it is within a very definable context of like we're tool, we do this sound. They're they're yeah. really not, even though like I said, the the fearlessness has to do with, hey, we're gonna have a fucking uh, you know, hip hop break or we're gonna have a country <laughs> part. It's not that experimental. It's more hmm. like we're going to express ourselves yeah. how we feel within this when this within this kind of this particular sandbox. But the thing that kind of i think about when i listen to this band and especially when i think about the length of time between records is i think the only way a band that's that successful and keep in mind like you you, like you mentioned in your review you're like yeah they kind of went away no they didn't they never stopped touring they've never stopped being an active band which which says they were functioning They were there was an economy. There was there was still the business of tool was something that was still that was happening. But to me, when just knowing what it's like to be in a band, I see 13 years and I'm like, that's a group of people that had barricades creatively between someone wanting to do X and someone else wanting to do Y, and them trying trying to figure out how to, to find
2: some middle ground. And and a lot of the articles I read um, about the about the whole uh, production process of this album, uh, I did see a lot of that. They did talk about how there totally was a lot of there was a lot of strife, there was a lot of uh, conflict and conflicting visions between the guys at certain segments. Uh, there was that factor to it. Um, the band is all but admitted about that. There was also like a lot of legal stuff that came up too. Something with yeah you know their their management. They were suing their management at the time. There was a lot of there was some personal stuff that came up, too. So obviously, this was uh, a lot of stuff came up with the guys that sort of threw a lot of wrenches into this. Add on top of that, the fact that tools writing process. At least the way we understand it. it is a very long and cumbersome and very involved sort of process. So uh, again, again, I, I get where that comes from, and I don't doubt that this was a difficult record for them to make for sure. You can al- you can almost kind of see that in the final product we got. Again, there are these lo- these songs that are just that just go on forever and ever, and all of these different sort of shifts and different soundscapes and different things that. Just sort of come in, sort of ebb in and out of each other. It's it's a very strange album. You can kind of feel the tension in it, but at the same time, like yeah, I would def- I would definitely I would definitely say that's a factor into the final product that we got here. But I I, I don't know. A, at the same time, it is just i uh, like and and again like t- yeah tool were touring they were they were doing their thing yeah you know they were tr- they were trying to stay as active as they possibly could but I, I you know again to a lot again to a lot of listener you know to a lot of people out there you you know at the end of the day they didn't release you know they didn't release an album they didn't release an ep even for a band like tool that takes their sweet time 13 years is still a long time so you could definitely feel the sting of that as it came about but yeah i mean i I kind
1: of appreciate that idea of i'm always into less is more i think with um with bands i i get Almost I get annoyed at some of my favorite bands that put out albums too frequently. And it, and it comes up on my podcast a lot. So I'll, I'll bring mm. certain guys. I'm like, hey, man, I love you guys, man. But you did this one record and then you had another record out a year later and it uh. wasn't as good, which tells me you didn't let the uh, mm. the juices, you didn't let that, that, that reservoir refill and yeah. allow yourself to kind of change enough as a human being to mm. warrant the idea and I think in this almost kind of uh, uh, SoundCloud era where oh, a lot yeah. of creators tend to just, whatever comes out, they just release.
2: Yeah, you know? see, ex- exactly. And, which
1: tells me with Tool, there's a real rigorous process mm. of saying yeah. what is actually going to make it to, the you know, what's going to make it on yeah. a record, what's going to actually uh, pass this certain benchmark that it seems like they have very, very, very high standards for what yes. they consider something that is releasable under the the moniker tool. I mean, obviously you have someone like mm. Maynard who is several, has several different bands, all of which are very good. Um, oh yeah. So that he's clearly not like cutting corners or doing anything like that. Uh, mm. But he is some, someone that appears to want to be consistently productive and putting out, having, going that long between albums is, I, I mean, I, I imagine with any creative person it would be very frustrating.
2: Oh, absolutely, but but at the same time, you like you mentioned, it's you see that you you see, like when when they Tool takes their sweet time with the albums they put out, but those albums, like you can usually you like you could totally it was about uh, six years between Lateralis and 10,000 Days, but you can feel the six years of development between those albums. Like, you can... I've, you know, I can, I can understand the argument, like, I can totally understand the argument of, okay, well, is this album 13 years good? Even I wouldn't say, as much as I love this album, even I wouldn't say, maybe it shouldn't have taken 13 years, but, but you can still feel that this was something they pained over. This was something they agonized over. This was, this was something that, like, this was a fine sculpture. This was not just, this was not just a hedge trimming, you know, they took their sweet time and made sure this album was as Chiseled and as ready to go as they could possibly get it. Like the whole, uh, and especially in these days, like you mentioned, the whole sort of higher turnaround rate for certain artists out there. Dude, you're you're talking to a Weezer fan right now, and Weezer with what they've been doing, they've been doing the whole thing where they're just releasing, you know, a new album every year. Hell, they they're releasing two albums next year, I believe, and like. Man, you can totally tell, like, especially in the quality of their last couple of records, it's just like. Like you can just tell, like they're not taking the time to sort of rest up, to get themselves sort of creatively juiced, creatively psyched, to think of new ideas and interesting directions to go. It's just no, nope. It's it's time, you know. It's been 12 months. It's you know, we got to put out the record. We got to flow through the cycle, you know. It's a lot of a lot of acts, especially you know because uh, especially because you know the more you output these days, at least in terms of like records or EPs, the more like content you. Throw out there, the more, well, the more profit, you know, the more stuff you have to make money with, you know. I mean, the more, the more songs you have out there on Spotify, the more people can potentially stream it, or you know, what, whatever, what have you. It's um, again, it's it, the system kind of rewards. A high pro- productivity sort of rates without you know at the same time a lot of um artists aren't yeah you know, a lot of artists there are some artists out there that are that do this thing um actually my buddy mark over at spectrum pulse i think he came up with this term it's called stream trolling mm-hmm. where where an artist like uh oh i hate to put anyone on the spot but like uh, the last migos record Um, That was that ended up being like a three LP like a three like a basically a triple album like three CDs worth of material but like a good 80% of it was mostly just like filler and skits and other stuff again just because it's volume and you get paid for stream. You get paid per stream, and the more time people are spending there, I mean, the more time people are spending there, the more you're raking in. So again, it's part, it's it's a big part of the reason why Drake's last album was so long. It's a big, it's a big reason why a lot of people are just, you know, pumping out so much stuff constantly. We're seeing a lot more stuff like EPs and mixtapes, and also, uh, like, you know, in the 2000s and like uh, the late 90s and whatnot, like. I don't know. After like Jar of Flies and like um, Sap, you know, how many big EPs did you see circulating around in those days? These days, it is not uncommon at all for for artists to release an EP. uh, For artists to release an album a year and an EP every six months or something like that. Greta
1: Van Fleet had a lot of success with their EPs. Oh, yeah. And then um, Ghost has actually done really well with their EPs in between records. That's just looking at record sales. I know some bands like. uh, Hailstorm, I think they do like cover EPs between uh, mm. between albums. And listen, I think it's every band, every apparatus is is different. You know, kind of going back to your, oh, yeah. your Weezer thing, mm. you know, just what I know about Rivers Cuomo, mm. the way h- kind of his internal process is that he personally likes validation. So he's really yeah. into the idea of like, hey, I recorded this thing. I put it out and then I get instant feedback mm. on my my creation, and I think that it's something that works for him. And I think also, and this is a little head shrinky on on my end. Mm. I do think within that operation, there you know there's a real effort to kind of maintain quote unquote relevance in the modern yeah. sense. So oh, I th- absolutely. So I think, and you know, not. And listen, that I think that's relevant when you know because Weezer, they're a big band, but they're not—they're not Green Day, they're not Metallica. Um, oh yeah. And so they kind of might have to fight a little more for their space in that kind of you know the 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 pop world in oh, yeah. a big sense because the truth is the pop world is left behind rock music in a real big way from a. Mm-hmm hey, you're invited to the party. And when and it must feel weird when you were invited to the party and you liked it, and all of a sudden you're yeah. not getting... They ain't calling you to come to the VMAs anymore. They're not calling you to come to the Grammys anymore. Um, yeah. And I think that might have a, you know, just a, a psychological effect on you where it's like, at, you know, where you might become a little more desperate about, all right, we got to have to constantly doing this. We have to kind of, you know, keep up with the
2: Joneses, mm-hmm. so to
1: speak.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: I can understand. I can understand where you're coming from here. Again, like, especially with the sort of down, like you mentioned, the sort of downturn in rock, especially like lately, the past 10 years. I mean, how how many, how many times a year do we get the, on whatever music site you want to pick, how many times a year do we get the, is rock and roll finally dead? Or, you know, oh, rock is dead. Here's what's replacing it. Or, you know, something like that. I can understand how that would, I can understand how that would totally, you know, especially from a business standpoint you know everyone's talking about doom and gloom in your industry it's like uh really uh, i'm in a rock band uh car <laughs> tug you know well, are you sure it's dead because you know um <laughs> well I, I think it's really
1: functioning in in different planes uh, a good friend of mine uh finn mckenty who has the punk rock nba oh, yeah. uh U- youtube page just mm. did a video basically talking about how rock is is dead or shot or is falling behind and I think he makes a lot of really great points, you know, but I, th- I do think, uh, what's basically what's happening And me, I'm in a band that's one of the more successful mm. new, newer rock slash metal bands. Oh, yeah. Um, and I see that it's a, it's just an older crowd, you know, yeah. and, I, and I think mm. when young people are into what you're doing, it, it has a different imprint culturally. And it mm. it feels different, and it feels more exciting, and it's going to. So if you look at certain things like streams, yeah, I mean, pop and hip hop are going to crush rock because young people are the ones who are streaming and have really embraced it in a certain mm. way. That's their medium, um, oh, yeah. you know. But if you look at you know ticket sales, mm. you know, everyone's yeah. kind of doing good. But I think the biggest problem with rock is that if you're an older older band. You're fucking doing great. You're kicking ass. You're selling tickets. You're 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 still selling records. You're selling merch. Also, your your business is is probably pretty good. I think oh, where yeah. we're the main thing is like, what's up with new bands, young bands, young artists? How are we developing them? How are we supporting mm. them? How are we finding the next cool thing? You know, because think about it. Some mm. so many of the young bands are really kind of. Uh, you know, putting out a, a retro aesthetic. You know, you look at a band like uh, Great Adventure Fleet. You look at a band like uh, Power Trip. You know, a metal band mm. who sounds you know that sounds like they're from the early '90s or something. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of the stuff that's really you know, Code Orange is another band that made a lot of noise who mm. kind of sounds like a metalcore band from the late '90s, like when I came up. So mm. oh, there's yeah. this idea that even the young bands uh, are hanging their hat on this thing of of the past, and we don't really. I, you know, I remember for for a few years, I'd I'd be talking to AR guys and dudes, man. Like, what what do you think is the next big thing? And I don't know what
2: what yeah. was the next big thing if it ever came along. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's kind of the thing with rock, like. I, I don't know. It, it's gone through a lot of shifts in state, especially when it was mainstream, especially when it did have more of a place in the mainstream, you know? We went through grunge in the 90s. We went through some sort of the post-grunge thing, and as the 90s went on, like, New Metal came New metal came around, then Garage Rock got really big, and, like, the White Stripes and Jack White's whole thing. Then somewhere around, like, oh, I don't I forget, know, We had Emo, too, the My Chemical Romances and emo, boy and oh yeah like like there were always rock scenes and it would always change and sort and it would always change and sort of develop as to what became uh the popular thing in rock then i don't know somewhere around like somewhere around that garage rock somewhere around like i'd say like maybe when the black keys sort of started getting super duper huge like somewhere around there you know the garage rock thing sort of hit its tail end and then there wasn't a next thing it there wasn't like uh, like rock didn't go, rock didn't go away. Rock, you know, there were plenty of people out there making rock, but it just, the next big mainstream thing just didn't, sort of i don't know if it's because the scene i don't know if it's because like the popular mainstream sort of media didn't have a place for rock or if there just was there was just like a lack of creativity or i i, I don't I, I don't know like i i have a feeling we'll be trying to chase that down for ages to kind of figure out what happened there but yeah i don't know it sort of feels like rock at least in a mainstream kind of sense, at least in, you know, at least in, you know, in a grand spectacle sort of idea. I I don't know. It just sort of, it never went away, but it stopped becoming – you know, it didn't – it no longer had its place at the table, so to speak. And again, because we're not entirely out of that yet, because there sort of is – again, even though, even now, there isn't like a sort of – oh, OK, if you're into like mainstream music, you know, if you listen to Christina – you know, in back in the TRL, TRL, TRL days, like, OK, if you listened – if, you know, you, if you get your pop from, say, Britney Spears and your rap from like – uh you know puff daddy uh you know chances are if you were listening to rock it was probably like oh corn or papa roach or whatever was making the big you know whatever was on whatever was making the big charts in that success you know these days it's like okay you get your pop from uh i don't know charlie XEX or whatever you get your hip-hop from like cardi b or whatever where do you get your rock from there still isn't like a an, an answer to that in that respect and I uh, like I, I don't know maybe uh, I, I I again like it rock could rock could totally come back again we're seeing some decent strides this very year again slipknot not only did you know, not only did their album critically score it sold really well it's um made it, made a decent appearance on the billboard charts too which surprised really? the hell number me. one God, three, three number one albums in a row yeah, exactly. Like that was super impressive. Um, and again, Tool, Tool came. That's that's one thing that's been somewhat encouraging. Tool came around and knocked Taylor Swift out of the number one spot. I didn't think it was going to happen. Like, I could have sworn up and down. I figured it – you know, I honestly figured it'd come in at number three because that new uh, Lana Del Rey record, uh, that Norman Fruckin' Rockwell record, actually ended up being – A, it's a pretty damn good record. And B, again, you know, it's it's Lana Del Rey. She's, you know, she's she's out there. You know, she is the mainstream. But Tool came around and got them both in the first place position. So Rock is – Again, it's starting to sort of make slow little nudges. I don't want to say it's a comeback. It probably isn't. I I don't know. I don't want to call it. But at the same time, we're seeing more success than we've seen in like – a long stretch of time. Like like five years ago to imagine a rock band being number one on the Billboard charts. I, I don't know if it wasn't a new Green Day record or like the White Stripes reuniting or something like that. It would have been unfathomable. And it's already happened more times this year than I think we've expected. So, But again, at the same time, it's by older, by older by bands. By other bands. Yeah, older yeah bands. by older bands too, no less yeah. though. So again, it's also like Oh, okay. This is cool, but again, there isn't that new scene. There isn't that new flavor. There isn't that new biggest thing in the goddamn world in the rock scene right now. So it's like, I, I don't know what even. Well, I, like, I, like again, people, if people, like, because I, I, I get that question too. You know, oh, what do you think is going to be the next thing to break out big? What's going to be the next new hotness? It's like, oh. I I don't know, dude. We haven't had hotness for a lot for a long time. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I think there's there's big things, but big within
1: this realm. You know, you look at a band oh, yeah, like yeah. What, look like like what a band like Ghost has done. You look at a band like Bring mm-hmm. Me the Horizon, and they're you know they're moving into arenas and you know, but it, you know, you haven't really seen that success oh, yeah. on the record sales side, at least in the in the in the states. Yeah. You know, to the level That's that some of these uh, these other acts. But you know, I think yeah. it really the biggest difference is the shift in culture is Mm. it's more focused around individuals as opposed Mm. to group dynamics. So even in hip hop back in the day, it was always a group. It was NWA. It was, Mm. you know, Cypress Hill. It was, you know, uh, you know, tribe called quest. It was, it was a really group oriented. Mm. And Mm. over the years, hip hop went away from that and became more about solo artists. And I think, the way uh, younger people look at musicians and the people created, they really see it as a dynamic of one, and so yeah. it's really about having a dynamic personality. And I was just watching this Travis Scott documentary, which actually uh, Finn re- 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 recommended there. And his shows oh. look like metal shows and hardcore shows, like they're like pits Ooh. and people. He's like going, he's like going ape shit on stage, and it feels like the personality type that would have been a yeah. rock musician or a metal musician 20 or 30 years ago. Um, like, he's wearing, like, Pantera shirts. He's wearing an Inflame shirt in there. Um, oh, yeah. And so his energy and the rebelliousness is more, you know, what we would think of, of like, a, a Marilyn Manson maybe, you know, yeah. 20 or 30 years ago. And I think uh, those types of personalities just aren't the, the type of person that would have become... Marilyn Manson, uh, 20 years ago is now going into other scenes and genres and it kind of represents very similar ideals Mm -hmm. and, uh, the anger and the passion and the, and the being a rebel and all that shit that we think of as being rock and roll kind of hallmarks. are just being expressed in other fields you know yeah. even someone like like post malone for example who is like
2: yeah uh, i was actually just going to bring him up actually if you didn't yeah, yeah <laughs> because i've heard the exact same thing um, uh, actually i've heard the the exact same thing from a lot of the people i know who have attended post malone shows they say it's the exact same aesthetic you know the music certainly doesn't sound like a lot of that sort of idea but but a lot of, but that's the thing Like he's he's getting pits formed at his shows. People are like going crazy. He's the the show has this whole metal sort of aesthetic to it. It's very like, I don't know, that sort of thing you would normally associate with a rock or a metal show isn't it's still around and it still exists, but it isn't um, like, again, these guys who are making music that is very far outside of rock are bringing that experience those people, or those people are seeking it out at these other sort of, you know, places, so yeah, I don't know, it's weird it's, I have, again, I've heard I've heard, I've heard, like all of Post Malone I listen to every Post Malone album I do not know, where would you mosh where the hell do you mosh (laughs) at beer bongs and Bentleys, I don't know but apparently people are doing it, I've seen people do it, so
1: in that documentary, I didn't hear a ton of Travis Scott's music, but People were mm. definitely going going off and, and, and feeling it. And it's, you know, listen, yeah. I think uh, as someone on the kind of other end of it, meaning mm. I've been doing this for a really long time. Oh, and- yeah want to, you know, I'm just never going to be that guy who puts his head in the sand It's like, nope, just going to listen to my Use Your Illusion from 25 years ago. Listen, <laughs> I'm always going to listen to that stuff, but I yeah. always want to oh, have yeah. a feel for what's going on. Not because I want to emulate it, like, creatively. Like, oh, I got to stay current, so I got to have a trap beat on the next record or something. It's not oh, that. Yeah. It's just, you know, I want to understand what's happening in in, in the world. Oh, yeah. um, and, and see if I can kind of... Get through my uh, my biases because as you get older, you want your brain doesn't really want to like get into new shit. It wants to like almost see it's... it through the prism of like it being inexplicable or noise. And even me, I was watching that Travis Scott song. I'm like, this motherfucker ain't even singing. He's just got <laughs> he's got the auto-tune, and I see other people in the studio doing the music. What does he do? And like, you know, and that's me. It's a little
2: haterism, and it's a little reality, but... <laughs> I don't know, um, yeah. but uh, No, but I feel yeah, You, uh, and that's especially a big thing I have to look out for from my end of things as a critic, because that's something, that's a trap you can very easily fall into when you're listening to all this new stuff, and you're listening to all these people, you know, you're listening to all these new artists and you're trying to actually break it down as to okay why does this work why doesn't this work you have to be careful so that you aren't getting so stuck in what your perception of what rock has to be or what you know the genre has you know or you have to sort of you have to keep an open mind about things or else you know you do you can totally find yourself i've caught myself doing this from time to time being like oh i don't you know you're the old man shaking your your cane at the stick or you're that one clip from the simpsons you know yeah. uh, you know i was with it but then they changed what it was now <laughs> now what's it is weird and strange to me and you know, oh, you want you know especially from you know this you know but that but that's you know the, uh, that's a big part of the reason why you know I, at least for me at least I, why i do like to stay connected and why i do listen to a lot of stuff that's outside of my genre because you know you have have to step out of your comfort zone in order to properly understand what's going on out there and to stay connected to what's happening in music and what people are getting drawn to and what you know why people are gravitating towards the stuff they're gravitating you know you have to you you, you know people like to you know people like to decry like you know the scene and you know all the stuff pop you know the stuff that's popular right now but you do need at least a basic understanding of it you know in order to actually comment on it at least I feel at least You you should at least give it a chance you know? yeah
1: listen i'm all about open-mindedness and and mm. and preaching that that line but uh but crash I, I think it's a good time to to wrap it up Um uh, i, I want to really appreciate uh thank you uh for coming on the show and uh it's been a lot of fun hopefully we uh you know illuminated some <laughs> some 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 points about this this new tool record i think it's really inspiring and hopefully it'll mm. you know cause some younger bands to uh Step outside themselves and, and be experimental and realize that there's there, there's there's no rules. Um, if people yeah. wanna wanna find you, uh, how do they how do they find your content?
2: oh uh well I am on youtube at uh, the rock critic um, you can uh, look me up on all my socials at uh s- at slash te rock critic twitter patreon facebook etc i had to go with te rock critic teh rock critic because someone is sitting on the rock critic <laughs> and they will not give it up no matter what but uh yeah um guys if you want to find me most of my stuff is uh on youtube just look for the rock critic um, and like i say te rock critic if you want to check out all my socials and all that fun stuff i have a patreon if you would like to uh check that out as well um but yeah again doc thank you very much for having me on the show i'm glad like i say i've uh, it's always it's always fun to talk about tool i always love talking about this band and uh, yeah again thank you so much for having me on always a pleasure dude anytime brother you take care all right you too have a good night bye bye cheers Cobain. Of
1: George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince.
2: It's a new podcast series.
1: About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that,
0: because rock stars...
1: They tell us how we feel. They change our mood.
0: They change the clothes we wear.